1: Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Uh, we're excited to say that we're coming up on our 50th interview, our 50th episode. So thanks to all of you who are listeners uh, and, and to those of you who have been on the show uh, and to all of those who have reached out. It's it's nice uh, when some of you guys reach out and, and tell you, tell us that you've enjoyed the show, that you've learned from it. It's rewarding for us uh, and for the time that we spent in trying to put these interviews together and, and get in contact with these millionaires. So thanks again for listening. If you'd like to be on the show as either a guest interview or a millionaire interview, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Our email is millionairesunveiled at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, millionairesunveiled.com. Per usual, if you'd like to invest in some multifamily opportunities, uh, we've got a couple deals coming up here soon uh, in the multifamily space in both the, the Northeast region and the Southwest region. Is where we typically do our deals so if you'd like more information on that please feel free to reach out uh historically irrs have been in the 20s uh if you have any questions for any of our millionaire interviews feel free to reach out a couple of you have we try to incorporate that in some of the interviews we're trying to to branch out and kind of change up these interviews so they don't become monotonous become the same over and over we continue to work on other things with the show including audio quality and so thanks again for listening let's get into the introduction for today's episode
2: Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the show we've got Eric, and Eric has a net worth of 1.5 million. He's got about just a little over a million dollars in real estate that's comprised of a couple of rental properties and his primary residence. He's got about 310 thousand dollars in the market's mainly ETFs with Schwab. He's got about 100k in cash and a little bit in gold and silver, just over 10k in gold and silver. Today on the episode we talked to Eric. He's a small business owner about small business ownership and and what he's done over the years to kind of take some of the profits in his business and and invest those wisely. A while ago, he uh, had a financial advisor and, and decided to part ways with, with the financial advisory group. And we talked to him a little bit about that. We get into some of the things that he does now with his money and a couple of details about his real estate transactions that he uh, has been involved in, in the last couple of years. So without further ado, let's get in the episode with Eric.
3: Welcome to Millionaires Unveiled Podcast. Today on the show, we've got Eric. Eric, do you want to just us a little about your background and what you're uh, up to now? Sure. Um, I uh, grew up a uh, middle-class family, basically, in,
0: uh, in uh, Arizona. And I, had I, of high school, went in the military, spent four years in the service and uh, finished that and uh, continued uh, my education in, uh, uh, at the university studying finance. And uh, after that, uh, essentially, uh, started a small business. Awesome. And what's
3: your net worth today? Uh, net worth is just over uh, $1.5 million. And and how is that broken up?
0: I uh, about three hundred and ten thousand in the uh, in the market stocks, mostly ETFs with Schwab, and um, about a hundred thousand in cash, about ten thousand dollars in uh, gold and silver, and then uh, real estate. Um, we have. About um, just over a million dollars in, in equity in real estate. So we own we own two rental properties and uh, and our personal residence. That you know we're partners with our with the bank in uh, you know about fifty fifty. So well actually it's about uh, they own about a third of the house.
3: Okay, let's let's rewind here just a little bit on your on your stock market investments. Then we'll get into real estate later. How did you how did you get to three hundred in the market, and how did you decide to choose which funds you those ETFs that you've chosen, and and kind of what, what's been your strategy there? Well,
0: so I've been in business about twenty plus years, and early on I started investing not so heavy but I was I was with Schwab early, you know, 20 years ago um, and I uh, unfortunately I after a while of having enough money I ended up changing taking my assets to uh, uh, having somebody else manage my assets and uh, that's probably one of my biggest mistakes ever doing but after years of having somebody else take a lot of my profits. Um, and I, so I brought it back so where I could manage it just actually in the last year. And, um, uh, really, I mean, because of, after learning, you know, with ETFs and the, the low costs of them and, and being knowledgeable enough in the stock market that, you know, people that are managing my money are not going to beat the market. They're not going to make up for the fees they're going to charge. So, um just kind of sat down and looked at it and thought, you know, over the next 10 years, I'm going to lose a hundred thousand dollars easily just on somebody else managing my money for me. So, um, I chose, you know, plus all the fees that they were having, uh, having my investments in and the mutual funds that were charging, you know, half of a percent to a one and a quarter percent. Um, when you, I sat down and really looked at it and thought, no, that's not right. So. I pulled it all back, opened up my Schwab accounts again, and uh, started uh, managing my wife and my IRA, and then our uh, our joint account. Plus, my I have two kids, and uh, for their college, we have set up um, Roth IRAs for them. Uh, they they work part time for my for my company, and so their paycheck basically basically goes in a Roth IRA in their individual Roth
3: IRAs, uh, uh, for their, for their college. Interesting. I, you know, I, I've heard of that strategy before, but I haven't really actually met somebody who's, who's utilized it. So do you mind kind of going into that and and how you're able to, you know, make that work with your kids for college instead of maybe opposed to doing a, a more traditional 529 or ESA? Sure. Um, Well, so the only requirement
0: to open an IRA is that you have earned income. And so, I mean, I've taught my kids. I started working when I was 11. Actually, I had a paycheck when I was 11 and and, uh, had a paper out when I was 12. So I started earning a living at a young age and and I've taught my kids to work and I've always wanted them to, uh, you know, have the have the desire to go out and make a decent living, because it you know it all starts there. If you if you're not motivated to work, you're never going to build wealth. Um, so they come to work for me. They think that they're you know that they're just coming to help me, but I actually pay them a paycheck. They don't see the paycheck. The check goes directly into their IRAs. Um, because I, I don't want them to think that this money is theirs to go out and spend on whatever they want. My hopes are that their their work ethic will um, will continue, and and uh, uh, um, it, rather than them using this money for college, that they will continue and be able to work their way through college like I did, like their mother did, like all of my friends did. You know, none of us. Well, some had. Parents helping, but the majority of myself, my wife, my friends, we paid our way through. We worked our our way through. You know, it's, some friends have small debt getting out, but for the most part, it wasn't a big deal because we worked. And I hope that they will have the same work ethic um, when they go to college. That they will, and and hopefully they'll be able to just keep the IRA. And had their retirement fund paid for.
1: And so, at what age will you tell them they have this money?
0: Um, as they as they get closer and closer to uh, 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 college, I most likely I will tell them it's not for college, though. Um, I I will try to, because I have you know I, I mean they they're nine and eleven and they know already that that it's expected of them that they will work. Even in high school, and they will save their money, and that they will work in college, and that they will put their, themselves through college, um, that they won't get any funds from from myself, from from uh, from our family, that they're expected to do it on their own. So you know, again, my hopes are that that they'll just have a big fat IRA by the time they're ready to retire, and they won't have to worry about that aspect of
1: it. Right. And how much do you think will be in there by the time you let them know that that you've saved that up for them?
0: Uh, I would imagine somewhere, you know, around thirty thousand. Right now, they each have about twelve thousand.
1: Gotcha. So back to your portfolio. What's your split on on amount you have in real estate and amount mar- you amount you have invested in the markets?
0: In the in the markets is about three hundred and ten thousand. And, uh, total in real estate, um, is like one, about 1.3 million with, you know, like a $270,000
1: loan on one of the houses. And how did, how did you get started in real estate?
0: Uh, well, in, uh, uh. I bought, you know, I bought my my uh, first house out. Well, I bought my first house actually while I was in college. Regretfully, I ended up selling that uh, when I uh, uh, started my business because I, I felt I needed cash to hold me over. But uh, I should have never sold it. I ended up uh, moving and in, in, in a different area. I ended up renting for a little while and eventually bought a house. Um, and that that house I, I lived in for about 10 years when the uh, you know the housing values uh, were about d- double what I had paid for my house and I'm watching everybody around me you know so- selling their houses and moving to bigger better houses and I'm just wondering why they all needed that and I couldn't believe somebody would pay double what I paid for my house. Anyway, so I, I sat there laughing, and not laughing, but just kind of thinking it was it was strange that how nobody else could understand that the housing prices just couldn't keep going up and up and up. And so in, in about 2007, uh, I, st- I actually started looking because I, I did want a nicer house. I started looking in the, the house that I really wanted was $800,000. And and, uh, I woke up in a cold sweat that night and thought there's no way I can go and buy that house. It just can't justify paying 800 grand for a house. So I waited, I was patient, you know, and by this time I had two kids or one kid and one on the way and and, uh, um, then the housing market crashed, right? So the house that that had doubled in price was back down to where I paid for it. And so then I started searching for houses, uh, actually to, to buy a personal house for me to live in, and then use the house that I, I was uh, that I wanted to move to. I wanted my dream house, and and uh, my wife wanted it, and and now we could actually afford it because the prices had all come down. And uh, uh, but I never wanted to sell the house that I that I was living in at the time because I wanted it to be a rental, and so. We uh, started shopping around and we kept getting we kept getting beat by all these investors. We couldn't buy a house. I mean, we offered on, on so many houses and we lost every time. So finally, we went into a different market, into a different state, and um, uh, paid cash for a four-bedroom house. Um, this was in 2010. We, we four-bedroom house. We offered uh, $70,000. We paid cash for it. And people were offering more, but they couldn't pay cash, and that's where we learned that that, that was the deal. So we uh, we picked up that house, put about three thousand dollars into it. So seventy-three thousand dollar investment. The house returns about tw- at the least about twelve percent a year, um, and it's gone up every since the value. And the rental inc- the rental price has gone up every year since then. And we've, it's been vacant for maybe thirty days since we've owned it since 2010.
1: And just then, uh, hold and on, then just, to, just to clarify, you said you bought it for 70 and put how much into it? Three thousand. Oh, got you. Okay.
0: So seventy-three thousand dollar investment. Now today's, you know, our, our rental income is about what we clear on it is about a, a nine hundred seventy a month
1: and that's after after all your expenses I guess you don't have a mortgage payment on that one
0: right no mortgage payment and that's after we haven't managed by somebody else it's out of state so after their fee um, and uh, all the you know, all the expenses on it and we ended up we did come back uh, uh, we kept looking for houses and the house that we we were looking at that was eight hundred thousand our dream house. Somebody did buy that in the low or in the high sevens and now they were so far upside down it, you know they were short selling it. so we ended up getting the house we wanted for about half the price. We were able to buy that the following year and pay off uh, pay off the house we moved out of and got renters in the, basically the day after we moved out we had renters in our house renting it.
3: Wow.
1: So let me just go back to this first property. So were you living in the same state where you bought it initially, or, or you found it out of state?
0: We found it out of state, but I'm it's a state I'm familiar with. I used to live in the state.
1: Gotcha. And how did you find it?
0: Basically uh, online, and I, I I had a friend who who was investing in the area, and he turned us on to an agent. And so uh, we just kind of started looking in the area and found it, called the agent and uh, put together the deal, so.
1: Nice, and then the property management company charges you what, anywhere from 7 to 10, 11% or something?
0: Yeah, they they started out at 10 and then you know they had somebody negotiate uh, the rent rate down. So I negotiate with them to reduce theirs to eight, and so it's been at eight for the past few years.
1: And how has that been? I'm just curious. Managing a property you own out of state—is there any has any complications come up, or does the management company take care of everything, and it's been fairly easy?
0: They take care of everything. I, I honestly, I think, you know, it's easier to spend other people's money. So when, when something happens, it's a lot easier for them to just say, "Oh yeah, we'll fix it," and and we'll just take it out of the rent, you know, and, and uh, um, so it's you know right out of my pocket easily, um, rather than saying to the tenant, "Hey, what happened? Why 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 did the toilet get broken? You know, how did it get broken?" Right. Right. Instead, they're just you know they're going to send me a three hundred dollar bill. And, I, you know, so I, there's been a couple things that I've questioned and I've gone back and, you know, argued with him over. And, and like like I said, a toilet, that was one of the things I'm like, how do you break a toilet? It, you know, I, so I ended up not paying for the broken toilet. But then, you know, there are other things that I still question, but I couldn't go back and really argue over. So, you know, those kind of things. It. But
1: I mean, you got it for so cheap, so you probably don't regret buying it. But will you will you buy another property out of state if you get the chance or because of this experience, will you try and stay locally?
0: oh no i I honestly i I wish i i mean really i mean i was really all all gung-ho about the stock market really i mean that's what i studied and uh um you know i guess saving in the stock market is what allowed us to buy the houses but i really wish that back then that i would have bought two or three properties in the same area i mean i really i regret that's one of my biggest regrets is not taking a bigger risk. And then, you know, I like things being paid off, but that's a case where I really think I could have leveraged and bought more houses and felt good about it, but I didn't.
1: So you just brought up leverage, but do do you wish now, or or do you try and save up cash for a situation like that again, where, where something like that were to happen, you'd have cash to deploy or or do you more think if something like that happens, you could leverage your way into some of these investments?
0: No, actually, uh, like I said, I, you know we have $100,000 in cash, and that part of it is for emergencies, emergency fund. Um, and, and really, the rest of it really is waiting on opportunities. Um, I, I would definitely do that again. If, if, if we have another crash in the market, I would go right out and buy, uh, uh, in the real estate market, I would go right out and buy more real estate.
3: So that kind of leads into my next question. What's, what's kind of the outlook of what your portfolio will look like going in you know, maybe the next five to 10 years? Obviously, we can't predict a crash or anything, but are you going to try to acquire more real estate, hold steady in the investments in the market, or are you going to pour a little bit more money into the market, or how are you going to kind of go about that and navigate that going forward?
0: Well, uh, so, so currently, our, our our goal is to uh, uh, continue saving, you know, 30,000 30, plus per year in the market, um, maxing our IRAs, um, both of us have Roth IRAs also, uh, max those out. Um, and we do, we, we are researching buying uh, real estate. Um, but uh, in other countries, we've we've looked into. My wife's not uh, originally from this country, and uh, when we retire, which is within 10 years, um, we hope to live part time in a foreign country and and uh, uh, um, hopefully, you know, keeping the co- keeping our costs down, but. We've yeah you know, we've looked for investments and for properties that we would want to live in out of out of this country.
3: Interesting. So you brought up potentially retiring in ten years. Is there a certain net worth target you're trying to hit, or is that mainly when the the kids grow up and, and go on to college that you'll retire, or is there a certain amount of passive income you're looking for? Um.
0: Well, yeah, passive income that, that I'm really looking for, and, and it depends. I mean, Continue going to grow and pit uh, plus real estate income from the rental incomes uh, would probably uh, take care of us.
1: So, I want to ask you about you have a couple kids and, and, and a small business. What do you think about generational wealth? Do you plan to pass the business on to your children? Do you plan to leave your kids money? Do you kind of how do you foresee that?
0: Well, that's a that's a uh, you know that one of my favorite books of all time is The Millionaire Next Door, and and uh, you know I mean the successful people are the ones that basically started with nothing, right? So I, I kind of I've told my kids all along, um, I mean because they're they're old enough to where they start thinking and they start thinking about well, you know grandpa has money and what's he going to do when he passes away where's his money you know they think about that already you know and so i've you know i've told them, hey you know what you know grandpa's money will all be used to take care of him you know and that's it and and when i when you know and then they ask the question you know what are you going to do with your wealth or your money and you know and I tell them, don't. You'll never get anything from me. Just plan on not having anything. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they'll go through life thinking, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna inherit a bunch of money, and so I don't have to work as hard, right? Yep. So I, I mean, my business, yeah. This is a debate between my wife and I. I. I, I, I want my kids to do better than me. So I hope, I hope that I can educate them, and they can start investing sooner than I ever did. And um, yeah, you know, I think I hope that they will be more successful than I am, um, and do it different. Hopefully, they won't have to have to work as hard as I do, and and they'll be smarter about it.
3: That brings up an, an interesting point. So, with the with the Roth money that you have for your children, do you invest that essentially on their behalf? Yes. And is that it's, in the market?
0: Uh, yes, it's split. About 50% of it is in the uh, uh, Swabs ETF, the total stock market ETF or whatever that – I forget what it is. Um, And then the other half is in Vanguard Technology ETF. Okay. How did you decide on those two? Well, I mean, I just – I really felt, you know, technology was where – Money's being made, and, and the total stock market, you know, betting on the United States is probably a good bet. And you know, plus the majority of what you know, it's invested in, you get international exposure in in uh, in their shares anyway. So uh, it's uh, really it probably is pretty heavy in technology, but it's done well.
1: I want to ask you about uh, your appetite for risk. This is a, a listener question that somebody wrote in and, and wants us to ask some of our our millionaires. Um, they say, "What's your what's your take on winning the game? And do you take more risks or less risks now than you did before? And maybe do you wish you would have taken more risks at a younger age?" Um,
0: I, I wish I had taken more risks when the opportunities were there. I would, you know, like. Buying houses, you know, in 2010, 2011. Um, I wish I had bought more, um, but you know, I, I mean, I'm healthy. So, you know, if the stock market tanked two years before I was to retire, I can keep working. It's not that big a deal. It's probably a good buying opportunity. Um, so that I'm not really worried about. And, and I, I'm, am okay with taking risk, but fairly smart risk, I guess. I mean, I, I mean doing some research and, and uh, uh, I mean really, I, I think right now we have uh, maybe some opportunity coming up. I think the stock market might be getting a little, a little frothy and, and uh, hopefully, I don't know. I keep buying though.
1: And then I guess, is the person's first question, "What's your, uh, you know, what is winning the game mean to you? Is there, is there a target that you want to get to, net worth or passive cash flow or anything like that?"
0: Um, you know, really, it's it's passive cash flow. So being able to retire and not really worry about money and and uh, um, having enough income to do the things that we want to do. And, and really would be nice. I think the best passive income is from from uh, rental income. I mean, the people have to live somewhere. If you lose 50% in the stock market, um, you know, it takes a long time to make that up. But
1: yeah,
0: houses, uh, people are gonna live there. Maybe rents get reduced a little bit, but I, again, my biggest regret is not buying more houses when I had the opportunity
1: yeah how do you think about taxes do you think about taxes in your strategy do you plan around them or or do they not really take a part in what you're trying to do
0: um well I I I uh owning Roth IRAs I'm basically paying my taxes now and I don't want to have to deal with it when I'm uh retired uh so I I mean I I do somewhat worry about it um but I guess being a small business owner, I I do somewhat have some advantages to to try and uh, uh, offset taxes a little bit. But I still, I mean, living in one of the worst tax states in the in the country, I I get hit pretty hard with it.
1: Yeah. All right. I just want to close here with some uh, millionaire rapid fire questions. So. The most expensive pair of jeans or pants that you've ever purchased? Uh, probably fifty bucks a pair of jeans. Okay, most expensive pair of shoes? Hundred and fifty. Okay, most expensive car.
0: Uh, I s
1: fifty
0: thousand. Which I still own and it's still running. It's got two hundred and fifty thousand miles on it.
1: Nice. Uh, Most expensive meal out that you've paid for?
0: Uh, That's probably $500.
1: Okay, and what item or items or experiences are worth spending more money on to you? Uh,
0: Traveling. Uh, I think traveling and uh, um, experiencing the world, showing my kids uh, different cultures different states Um, that I I think that's better than any college can ever teach anybody is you know going out and seeing other countries and meeting other people probably the best education I've ever had
1: okay and what's not worth the money or what do you try and save on
0: (laughs) Uh, every day meals out I, I, I think that's not really worth it I think the best food is in my house that my wife cooks
1: Uh, high school and college GPA. Oh
0: man, I was a terrible student. So, uh, um, high school was probably realistically about a 1.5. I mean, I was, I was glad to have a D to graduate in some of my classes and, uh, college. I, I, at one point I definitely had at least a 2.5 because that's what you had to have to get into business school. And, um, so I I probably graduated around there 2.5.
1: Okay. Uh, your predicted retirement age and net Six, worth at retirement. 60 and net worth just over two million. Okay, and then as much as you're comfortable, your range of salary through your working life.
0: My range of salary.
1: Oh man. Uh,
0: you want my income on my statement on my tax statement right
1: probably yeah that's what we're talking range of income
0: okay so um through my working career
1: yeah uh
0: 80 to
1: one hundred ninety thousand. okay so what Final advice? Do you have for anybody? You've obviously done well. You started a small business; it's been successful. You've been able to get your family involved. You're saving up for your kids. You know, obviously financially successful. What advice do you give to to somebody younger, or you know, somebody who's on their way and, and wants to reach financially, you know, financial independence and become a millionaire?
0: Well, I, I highly recommend reading a few books um, on the on on the subject. I mean, The Millionaire Next Door is probably my favorite all-time book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, is a great book, um, and being ready for opportunities. Um, I, that was the one thing that I mean, I, I, I've always saved money, even, even as a young kid when I had a paper route. I was always the kid that could loan money to other people, um, so save your money. Buy used cars. Don't don't go out and buy new cars, um, and don't care what every, you know, what other people think of the car you're driving around in. They can't see your bank account, but man, when you're successful and they're broke, because uh, they're you know driving a Mercedes Benz that they can't afford, um, and they're staying poor because of it. You know you'll 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 be the you'll be the wealthy one that can retire, and they'll never be, be able to retire. Um, but really, uh, when opportunities come up, you have to be prepared. So you have to save your money. Um, I think I think it was Warren Buffett that said, uh, uh, um, preparation, meeting opportunity is when wealth is created, something to that effect. And that that's really is what allowed me to buy a house and then buy another house because I was prepared. I had money in the stock market and I was saving every dime I could, buying used cars, I didn't have fancy stuff um, and as uh, uh, soon as opportunities came up I was able to to uh, to go with it so that's really the
3: biggest thing save your money
0: good stuff
3: all right Eric with a net worth of 1.5 million dollars thanks for coming on the show today
0: thanks guys appreciate it
1: thanks Eric take care